Welcome to the Weekend Sports Buzz. In studio with Ashley Danielle. I am Kelly Patrick. We're brought in by the Kentucky Fight Song. And my God, I can't... You know, that, that, how does that make you feel, Ashley? That that's what's being brought into our wonderful Sunday 10 till noon show is the University of Kentucky Wildcats fight song. It makes me nauseous, to be quite honest. I, I had a feeling, I, I am thankful though, that Carlo's not here in studio with us because I know that he would have so much to say about yesterday's. Oh, he's been texting me and... and I've been trying to ignore the texts. Well, but. yeah, he texted. He started texting me, I should say, and my reply was, Carlo, I'm going to chop you in the throat. And then that was it. <laughs> he didn't want any of that. <laughs> he didn't want any of that. The Weekend Sports Buzz is brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Call 502-587-0041 to reach the best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville. What's it J stand for? J stands for justice, Todd. All right. And, and Brandon will be very happy with your Kentucky theme song. Maybe we'll get a call from Hink today. There's plenty oh, of people you know, who are might, happy today. He, he probably would have a lot to say. If you look at it from this perspective, yesterday Kentucky had a 1-0 record. Boom. Boom. 100% <laughs> winning percentage. Louisville, on the other hand, had still part of their season going for football. Yes. So we're able to come out with a, a 500 on the day. Yeah. Overall, Ashley, I'll ask you, what what is your feeling? Todd and, and you and I were discussing before the show, it's a bittersweet day for Cards fans. What's your feeling about yesterday as a whole? Well, I think I think bittersweet is a good description. Um, I made a post yesterday after the basketball game that basically said a lot of things that happened in the game is stuff that we, especially as Cards fans, already knew. They really exposed the fact that our inside game is lacking. We knew that. Uh, we knew that Randall was a beast. He made that very clear. Um, we knew that our guards were top-notch, and they played their butts off yesterday. They so, did. Um, my only frustration would be Russ Smith missing five free throws as a senior. Yeah. Um, still love him. I think we are not even as close to being in the game as we were without him. But I think that definitely has to be a point of emphasis for us. Um, Shane Bahannon, I don't Where the I, hell was he? I don't know what planet he was on yesterday but he was not in Rupp Arena he was still suspended <laughs> he was still suspended <laughs> I, I wondered yesterday they were talking about an Achilles injury and I was like was that the cover-up for his suspension or I don't understand I don't understand I never heard anything about an Achilles injury with Shane Bahannon but he was a non-factor I was so surprised to see at one point I think there was like five minutes left and they said between Mango, Montres Harrell, and Shane Bahannon or no, no, um Wayne Blackshear, they had scored two points. Shane Bahannon played twenty minutes, oh for three for field goals. He did have seven rebounds, two offensive, five defensive, three turnovers, two personal fouls. Shane Bahannon got seven rebounds, but he was non existent on what his his greatest value to this team is 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 what he did a couple years ago in the Final Four, mm-hmm. brought us to the Final Four. When when he gets the ball and he uses his big body and he's able to dribble it once, take it up, pump fake, and, and create offense, mm-hmm. he wasn't doing that yesterday. No, and, and, and without him inside, this Cards team has nothing no, offensively at all. From, the, from the post. At all. And that's unfortunate. That is really, really unfortunate. I think that really shows how much of a presence Gorgie was for us and how much we miss him. And I guess we did a bad job of trying to replace him or making sure we had somebody that could step in. I want you to look at something, though. Um, 
after Randall went out, God, Kentucky didn't have anybody in the post. They had Coley Stein, had who's Coley better Stein. than anyone we have. Yeah. But you're right. His offensive game isn't that far removed from Van Treese's. The guards took over. Harrison's young was outstanding. And the Harrison's, you know, they actually, young is actually not a small player. He has a wingspan. None of these guys are small players right, on Kentucky's team. So very, 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 very big You know, team. the I, I read on Twitter last night when guy said that uh, UofL le, uh, uh, opened more more questions while Kentucky answered more questions. So I think it was a good summary that of uh, everything of how far is UofL going without a big body inside. Good question. That you is know, a good question. Mango played 22 minutes. He was 2-2 two two from, from the field. He had three rebounds. He did have four block shots, and at times he looked impressive. Yes. But he was not hanging with – I mean, nobody – can guard Julius Randle. No. We know that. Not Nobody in college basketball can come close to stopping mm-hmm. Julius Randle. Yeah, but beyond that, they, they couldn't guard anybody else in the post. Yeah, very Or true. the guards. Very true. They were all bigger. There was times where you said, there's a loose ball. Chris Jones looked at times like our best rebounder. Mm-hmm. And he's 5'8 or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, 5'8 on a good day. And all those guys are so much taller and longer. And it was really exploited last night. The biggest fear for Louisville fans is that this is a team that has two guns at a guard, and I don't mean to sound demeaning. Russ Smith and Chris Jones like to shoot. Mm-hmm. And then they've got big workhorse guys who don't have much skill underneath. And that's what it looked like yesterday. It did. And I think that was the – we have to find a way to win against teams that have strong inside game. Because I think that was that was the biggest issue for us with North Carolina – and the same with Kentucky. So anytime we face a team that has bigger or more more skilled post players, that's going to be a problem for us. And I think even on defense, we were so, especially in the beginning of the game, so concerned about Randall that a lot of times we would over-rotate to try to help on him and leave the guards wide open in the three-point line. And that's that's not okay. Like maybe there's one player that's assigned to help down or something that – you know, is guarding somebody that's not as much of a threat from the outside, but everybody, they had one point, they had three guys like rotating down to help, and that's not okay. You can't do that. The, the eternal optimist in me says, if I had to choose one of the two games for Louisville to win, I would choose the football game. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's bigger for our program because in the day, it's still December. And I think, you know, several people said to me last night after the basketball game that Patino wasn't that into it like maybe he was it would have been okay if they won if they lost no big deal because he's teaching them yeah and I, I don't also, I think that okay I think on. I think that something that you can kind of if you pay attention a little bit to like you know people talk about the player swag and I think a lot of them are still on this high from national championship maybe not realizing that this is a new season and no one's just going to put a trophy in your hands in April so I don't know maybe what do you think about that? Is it possible that he wants this to be a learning lesson for them? or I'm sure he wants it to be a learning a learning lesson. Todd, I'll let you. What do you think? Uh, I'm sure he wants it to be a learning lesson, but um, uh, as far as pride and ego go, no, he wants to win. There's no way he There's, doesn't want to win. No. I think Cal's record since arriving in Lexington, I think is now, what is it, 5-1? 5-1. 5-1. Head to head with Rick Pitino. And, you know, they, they downplay the significance. You saw that interview last year. I rewatched it yesterday with Jim Rome and Cal and Rick. And they really downplay the, the whole hatred between the two. But I do believe it's there. I don't think they like each other. They make it clear they don't hang out in the same circles. And within coaching, you know, Jim Beheim, Rick Pitino are like best friends. Why wouldn't Cal and Rick? They, they'd, 
clearly don't like each other. So to think that Rick doesn't like the fact that Cal owns him head-to-head, I mean, it's like somebody's he's got your number. You're a boxer. You're maybe one of the greatest boxers ever. You just can't beat this one guy. There's no way that doesn't bother you. No way. I can see that. I, I don't think. I want to, Kelly, as we go into our next segment, I want to ask our call our listeners to call in and say, is U of L turning into a football school rather than a basketball school? <laughs> There's because, no way. Well, that. you know, I mean, uh, you just said that the, the, the football game was what mattered. Well, <laughs> the um, reason why I so said I that is because asking, it's a bowl game. If it was championship versus championship, I think most Cardinal fans would scream basketball. But I think because it's the end of our football season and we're third bowl in, in three years, that's really big for our football program. But I think regular season basketball game versus, you know, bowl game, I think people are going to say bowl game is bigger for our school. Yes, we want to be Kentucky because we don't like Kentucky. No, we don't. And but- Rick doesn't really either. <laughs> Evidenced after the game. I want to inco- encourage our listeners, give us a call on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line, 502 384 1450, and answer Todd's question. Is Louisville becoming a football school where we don't care as much about basketball? Is Charlie Strong the leader of the the, the football or the athletic program instead of Rick Pitino? Is he going to stay? Is he going to stay? He's going to stay. I I don't think Texas is going to offer him. I think even if Texas offers him, he's going to stay. Do you? I do. Okay. Why? I think, well, Texas... I mean, they're going to have to pressure come out of cooker. Pocket. They're going to have to come out of pocket a lot to match what we pay or increase what he pay what he makes here. That is no problem. In it Texas. may not be a t- no Mac, Mac, Mac Brown made the third highest salary last year, even though being on the complete hot seat, he did. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he was just a, a, a just a hair behind Saban. I think too. Also, um, Charlie Strong's in a unique situation. What, even though I know he sometimes complains about our fans not being as much into football, but like you said, pressure cooker in Texas because Texas is a football state. So a lot of the slack that he might get cut here because people are paying more attention to basketball, he's probably not going to get that in Texas. I also understand that Charlie's wife loves Louisville. So hey, I think he's staying around for a while. I I, I believe Charlie will be here for 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 a while. Two, I am of the school of thought that if Texas comes calling, Charlie would be crazy not to listen to him. They have so many resources. You know, the state of Kentucky produces about 30 Division One football recruits a year. Mm. And, a lot of, and Texas think. produces like 300-something. So, yeah, I mean, it's, Texas and Florida are like the like breeding ground. They really are. And Texas is number one, even ahead of Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's a, it's a, it would be tough. I love Charlie Strong. I hope to pray to God that he stays. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of, of them changing up their, their playbook last night? Sean Watson and this, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater went out with a bang. A bang. You know, I, as I was watching the game at one point, I think it was 22 to two. And I said, uh, to my friends and family that were watching the game with that, this is what happens when you give Charlie Strong and company enough time to plan for a game. And they know who they're playing. Like, I think that they are brilliant. That look, that's a good reputation. Rick, Absolutely. you know, Rick has a, has a reputation in basketball for mm-hmm. if you give him, you know, he, what is his record of every time he makes the, what is it? Every time he makes the Sweet 16, 
he's always advances to the Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. If you have time to prepare, I think that reflects very well on the head coach Absolutely. and the coaching staff overall, as evidenced by beating the hell out of the Gators last year and then the Hurricanes yesterday. Yeah. We're, I'm sorry to interrupt Go you ahead. there. We're going to jump to the Oxmore Ford Lincoln buzz line. Keep in mind it is 384-1450. Right now we got our man Kevin on the line with us. What do you have for us this morning, Kevin? Oh, okay. I got about six, seven points real quick, and I'll get this one right off the bat. We are not a football school. Thank you. We, deal in, we live and die basketball, and I like both sports, but we are basketball. Let's just get that put out there. Make that clear, Kevin. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Kevin, can I interrupt you for a minute? I can tell you're a basketball school because when you have a football game and the the stadium is half full, yes, you are a basketball team. Go ahead. Exactly. (laughs) See, that's the Kentucky fan hater, hateration coming out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's because we we can afford to go to both spots, you know. That's what that's about. (laughs) That's good. Anyway, yeah. And uh, China ain't going to Texas. That's just not happening. Why not? Why not? First of all, Mac Brown got fired because Mac Brown's offense sucked in Texas. Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown, Charlie Strong is a conservative, defensive-minded coach. Good point. Texas don't want that. Texas doesn't want that. And I hate to say he just doesn't fit the mold of Texas. So they won't offer him. I, I agree with that. I don't think Texas is going to come calling for Charlie. No, it's just not going to happen. They're looking at NFL-type guys. And uh, three, Rick Pitino does care about losing mm-hmm. to Kentucky. And Cal, well, I can say Kentucky more so than Calipari. You know, that guy's ego is as big as the moon. <laughs> <laughs> We're missing, and it's a little basketball. What I seen, the, one of the worst things that I seen yesterday was the glaring fact. Not that we're, well, we know we're missing Gorgeous. We know we're missing the big man. But it's a glaring fact now that people that undervalue Peyton Seaver because he wasn't really what you call a great offensive player. The guy was a floor general, four-year point guard in Pino system. And that is so understated when you're running a system in basketball. You just got a bunch of guys that are talented. Most of the time, talent will trump a system because they just playing on talent alone. A lot of times they're just better. And that's why when Cal had Rose and Walls and those guys with a high level of talent, they look better. It's not that Calipari is running some system and he's developing them. It's, that it's just talent, you know. And whereas Patino, he's running a system, and his system is predicated on having a floor general. And Peyton Seaver was that special guy. Right. And if you notice it, yeah. And you're looking at now, you're looking at Chris Jones and Russ Smith. They say that Chris Jones is a point guard, but I really don't see that. I see him and Russ being more of the same two of the same type of players, the offensive-minded guys. Mm-hmm. They did not get – and when I, and I know it was, was what Keno's pissed about because what they probably planned for, it happened last year a couple times where they didn't get the bigs involved. They came down, just shot up shots, and, and it, it was bad. It, it started with the guards. But right there is where I'm, I'm – I had some more points to die <laughs> it's understandable. I agree with you. Peyton Siva's value on this team as someone who's a point guard, a facilitator, mm-hmm. can't really be under, you know, you can't underestimate the value of that. Thank you very much for the call, uh, Kevin. Have a great rest of your weekend.
Overall, if I had to choose one guy, either Peyton Siva or Gorgie Jang, to add to this team, no question about it, I'm going Gorgie, right? Absolutely. No question. Absolutely. The, the value he had on shot blocking, being able to create his own shot, but not only that, the high post, his ability to, if necessary, hit the jump shot, mm-hmm. pass the ball. Yep. I think Gorgie on the inside completely changes the team. It completely changes the basketball game, period. No question about it. We're, we're, we're doing well. We're, we're missing our man Carlo Kellum, who is on assignment. Shocker, covering the Louisville Cardinals Go Cards. in Orlando. We appreciate Carlo and his hard work getting some great pictures and doing a live uh, post-game show from Orlando last night. Thank you very much, Carlo. Ashley, Todd, and I will be back with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. I'm Kelly Patrick, joined in studio, Ashley Danielle. We want to thank Todd Neal very much for the the Louisville fight song. The team that actually played in a bowl this year. The team that that had a, 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 what you got to consider as a state, I don't know about a statement game as much as the game last year against Florida. Mm -hmm. But they should have beat Miami. I think Vegas odds, most of the things had, had at the end, right, right before the game, had Miami actually favored to win. Yes, which, you know, that's, I think that's frustrating probably for a program, I know it is for me as a fan, that they have a great season, they lose one game, and they come up against a team, they're ranked 18th, Miami's not ranked at all, and they still discount our program and say, you know what, we're going to go with the U. Now, I know Miami has a lot of fantastic football history, but sometimes you got to give credit where credit's due. And I think, you know, a lot of people are saying, why is he leaving Teddy in so long? Obviously, probably to break the passing record is number one. But number two, I think Charlie Strong was trying to send a message that our program is legit and you guys need to start respecting us. Uh, part of me wonders how much of that was a reaction to the oh, – what, what at times was a – over-the-top criticism of Charlie Strong and Sean Watson mm-hmm. saying they've got all this talent and they have like eight really good receivers, and I may be exaggerating. I'm a Louisville fan. Mm-hmm. They've got eight receivers. They've got Teddy football. He's got the best arm, in my opinion, in football. Why are they not putting up more points? Mm-hmm. Well, last night it seems like they, they, they had heard that too much and they just left it all out on the field. And they yeah. wanted to run the score up. Yeah. It rubbed a lot of Hurricane fans the wrong way. Well. This is what happens when you come to bowl games. It, it is. I mean, you, you match up against a team that's more prepared than you. That's what it appears. I wish they would have been like doing that. that a little bit more during the regular season, Agreed. maybe against Central Florida. Um, I want to encourage our listeners. Tell us um, your thoughts. Do you think Charlie Strong and Sean Watson were actually proving that they do listen to the fans and their criticism? Give us a call on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line, 384-1450. We're going to head to the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line right now with our man, Carolina Steve. How you doing this morning, Carolina? <laughs> if that offense was so good, how come they scored the least number of points? If that offense was so good, how come they scored the least number of points that have been scored in the last four ball games against Miami? Who is that, Louisville? Yes, I mean, uh, 39, that doesn't compare to 42 that Virginia Tech put on them. 
or 48 that Duke put on them, and I forget how many Florida State put on them, but how does that compare to those three teams? That's a good good point there. You know, there, I've seen some statistics where you can make an argument. Miami has a Swiss, Swiss cheese defense. They've given up, I think, 500 total yards of offense for, I believe it's five consecutive games. They have very good talent on the defensive line, but a very questionable secondary um I saw the statistics where where the the numbers comparing uh, Teddy Bridgewater against Jameis Winston. Teddy actually had a better game, um, but I'm not claiming really that 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 Louisville offense is 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 all that great. Regardless, though, Carolina, you got to admit Louisville beat the hell out of Miami. Most people had projected Miami would win. I mean, it, it did happen. It's good. Uh... I, I was, you know, going on in, and speaking of Duke, did you see where their offensive coordinator is going? I did not. He is the new offensive coordinator coordinator for Muscamp at Florida, Florida, and he has the connection to the Bluegrass. He was a quarterback's coach at UK. Wow. So, so Muschamp sticking around with his defensive uh, philosophy. Cutcliffe is an offensive guy in himself. He was the the offensive coordinator, I think, for both of the Mannings at certain points. So you, you wouldn't think that David Cutcliffe would be too hard pressed to find a new offensive coordinator for that system. That's very interesting. Florida keeping the coaching staff around, simply replacing their offensive coordinator. Yeah, it's going to be good. I'm going to be. I tell you what, don't count Duke out in the Chick Fil A Bowl. They uh. Their defense is underrated. Their offense with Cutcliffe back there, he's probably one of the best offensive coaches I've ever uh, seen around in football and everything. And uh, I didn't get a chance to see the basketball game, so I won't make any comments on it. All I read on Facebook from the Louisville fans, they got cheated down there. So uh, Yeah, we haven't even gotten to that. There was a lot of calls that were questionable. Uh, a couple carrying calls, one against Terry Rozier, one against, I believe it was, Chris Jones. Chris Jones, yeah. Uh, but overall, I saw Russ get away with walking a couple times. I don't ever want to be the guy, Carolina, who says we lost because of the refs. That's not appealing to me. Yeah, but I I listened yesterday from Charlotte, North Carolina, to the Belt Bowl where the Bearcats played the Tar Heels. And the Tar Heels showed something that I like in a football team. They showed great special teams. Their uh, kicker, Kicks the ball, they down it on the one. Two plays later, the guy from my high school in Roanoke Rapids, Kareem uh, Martin, tackles the quarterback in the end zone for a safety. He finished one short of uh, tying Julius Peppers for most hits in the backfield for loss of any, uh, you know, the Carolina player. Then they. Uh, Logan, who's a running back, takes a kick back uh, 78 yards. And then they had this guy, a freshman that I didn't even know it, and I never had even heard of, who took a kick back, a putt back, and this tied the NCAA record for five putt returns in one season for touchdowns. Wow. And he's not but a freshman. And all in all, I listened to that because uh, I really enjoyed it. Been a good week for me. Last Saturday, my Carolina Panthers, minus Steve Smith, beat the New Orleans Saints. My two cousins were at the ball game, and they got soaking wet because of the rain we had in the Carolinas. 
And uh, then on Monday, I was sweating a little bit, but my Pirates pulled it out when Cooper rushed for 198 yards. That's the second most from East Carolina ever in a bowl game. The first most just happened to be Chris Johnson versus Fresno State. <laughs> he rushed for 234, I think, in that, that game. Not, not bad company at all, is it? No, it was good, and uh, we got one this week. Everybody was worried. Yeah, I'm worried about today down at the Georgia Dome. We're going without Steve Smith. How how important so, uh, is this game for the Carolina Panthers? There's so many different, specific playoff implications. I'm a Cincinnati Bengals guy. Um, what what are the implications for the for the the Panthers? Because I think. With you know they got Charles Johnson on defense, they can apply some good pressure. Obviously, Cam Newton is a one of a kind type talent on offense. I think they would present some real matchups and could possibly make a run deep into the playoffs this year. What is on the line for the Panthers today, Carolina? First round bye. Okay, so they win and they're in. They win and they got that bye. Yes, uh, they win. They got the bye. Uh, they're. Uh, Really going. I tell you what, you didn't mention the best defensive player we got. Don't tell me. Uh, the linebacker. Um, I, I know, the, the white guy who led the NFL in tackles. Yeah, he had 26 tackles against the Saints. Last Jeez, week. What, what's his name, Carolina? It's slipping me right now. I'll just call him the white guy. Is that okay? It starts with the K. I don't know. I'm just now, you know, get, that's the first game I've really been able to see the Panthers play on television. Because we get either your Bengals or the Colts up here, and we don't get uh, them. But I follow them, and uh, I really like them and everything. And uh, D'Angelo Williams had a big game for us. And uh, James Stewart's been hurt, but uh, that's okay. I look for us to use Olsen quite a bit today, the tight end. Mm -hmm. So we uh, down in there. And the guy that was... uh, Smith's replacement just happened to catch the touchdown pass that won the ball game and everything. So uh, my cousin said that that was the best football game they'd ever seen and everything, but they still want to fire Ron Rivera up there. <laughs> Is it Luke? Luke, Coach, Ke- Luke? Luke I think it's Keekley. Yeah, Luke Keekley Luke at a Boston college. You're right. They've got a good defense. Yeah, he's, he's great. I liked him and everything, and last Friday, a week ago Friday, I got a chance to stop at my favorite place on the way home. I stopped in Welcome, North Carolina, at the headquarters of Richard Childress Racing. Went by the museum, talked to my buddy Chocolate Myers. He was in there. They were getting ready for a Christmas party. My buddy, who works there, gave me one of the best presents I've ever had. You know, they give them hats in Victory Lane oh, yeah. uh, after the races. Yep. I got two hats from Victory Lane during the chase from Kevin Carvick's team. Wow, that's nice. Good cousins there. From Kansas and uh, from uh, uh, Phoenix. And also I got something that uh, I, I really love now. I got the gold of the yellow number four uh, hat with the black three on it for the Cheerios car. Merry Christmas. Sure. Yeah, mer- happy, merry belated Christmas there. That's nice. Got some good family yeah, there. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, looking forward to when we go down to Kentucky because there's some people that uh, 
I was listening to on the radio coming back. Uh, I'm, you have to keep skip, skipping stations and everything. I had me a satellite radio in my truck. Is that how you listen to us and when I, you're out of town? Yeah, that's what I do. I listen to uh, the sports on there. And uh, one of my favorite uh, race announcers does a college football show on there, Jack Aroot. Do you know, like Eli Gold, the voice of the Crimson Tide? Oh, Eli Gold is the best man on the radio in college sports for his football with the uh, Roll Tide. And he also is a great announcer when it comes to NASCAR. He was, uh, I had a chance on one of the local shows he was on there, and I had a chance, they asked him a question about Earnhardt's victory. And he said that that was one of the greatest things, including NASCAR, I mean, including Alabama football and everything, to see when Dale won the Daytona 500, every team lined up on pit row, and he came by and high-fived everybody on pit row. That was one of the most exciting moments in sports I've ever seen. And I did hear, you know, uh, Sports Illustrated has a sportsman of the year. Heard Jimmy Johnson won it this year. Really? I, I thought Peyton Manning won one of them. Jimmy Johnson is an interesting figure. You know, he's so dominant, but doesn't get much of the respect that he, that he probably deserves, right? Yeah, he's not with me because I'm an Earnhardt, man. <laughs> You're Earnhardt, even though he sucks, right? He's not very good, is he? Yeah, well, you know who owns his car, and that's another reason I won't pull for it. Hendrick. Jeff Gordon. Oh, well. I'm not a not Gordon Jeff man Gordon. either. Jeff Gordon doesn't own it. Come on. There, Carolina, you know it's all, they can only own so many cars. So Hendrick owns it, it's just in Gordon's name. Come on, man, he's a straw man. Okay, the only driver I like from Hendrick is the one with the Earnhardt last name. And I did find out something, too, and I hope it happens at Kentucky when we go up there. Earnhardt's grandson is going to run selected truck races if they could get the sponsorship. For Richard Childress in the number three. Will he be your Jeffrey second? Jeffrey fi- Earnhardt is, the, is that kid, so he's going to run it. Well, it's been a big week in sports. Going to watch sports. Going to uh, try and pull my uh, Panthers through today. Great bowl game. Have a good one. Thank you very much, Caroline. Have a great rest of your weekend. Good stuff there. A little di- little diversity within our, our, our discussions this morning. Yeah. Mix in a little bit of... of uh, Roll Tide talk, a little bit of NASCAR here and there. Carolina Panthers, little Duke, David Cutliffe, Cutcliffe talk. I didn't know that about, you know, Florida. That's the one job Charlie Strong would leave for, I think, is Florida. If they fire Will Muschamp. Do you think so? I don't know. You really think he's he's completely married to Louisville? I, I, I don't know if it would be that marriage. I think, too, um, he might still have a chip on the shoulder from the fact that they passed him over the first time. I he, would. Yeah, I would, too. I, I mean, he, he's he's no spring chicken. He, he, he's not the um, – he has a different mindset than someone who's 10 or 15 years younger than him, I'm sure. So maybe I'm overestimating the power of these other schools to lure Charlie away. I don't know. I uh, want to encourage our listeners, once again, give us a call, Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line, 502-384-1450. We are going to head to a break. We will be back with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz.
Kim with Beyonce. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Ashley Danielle in studio with Kelly Patrick. A lot of great stuff to talk about that is not necessarily Louisville or Kentucky related. Are we going to get into it within the second hour? I, I would like to. My Bengals sure. play today. Uh, very decisive game. A lot of uh, playoff implications still in the air. If the Bengals win against the Ravens today and the Patriots lose, my Bengals will get a first-round bye. We'll what talk. Do, you think? do I think they'll win? Yeah. I, I think the Bengals will probably beat the Ravens. It's in Cincy. I do not think the Patriots will lose. Um, but we can get into that more in the second hour. We've got an entire second half of the show to go. At the 11 o'clock hour, we're going to have Ashley's Loco Cinco, the second weekly version of Loco Cinco, where Ashley uh, lists the craziest five stories she's aware of in the world of sports. I don't know anything about it, and we discuss it. We get our takes on it. It, it had just rave reviews last week. People were just you know responding left and right through social media. Calls were really lighting up. So we'll get to that right at 11 o'clock. You're a Miami Heat fan. I'm an Indiana Pacers fan. Yes. Last night, or yesterday, the Miami Heat were without LeBron James. Pulled it off. They played against the Portland Trailblazers. Trailblazers sitting at at 24-6. and It was in Portland, Oregon. No LeBron James. No LeBron James. Playing against the best team in the NBA, record-wise, arguably. Mm -hmm. One of them. And One of them put that in there. <laughs> I think I, I, th- I think the, the Heat may have a better record. I think they're maybe number two. And who steps up? Ashley's favorite guy. <laughs> My least favorite guy. Chris, Chris Bosh. He has 10 rebounds, 37 points, uh, played 39 minutes, 15 of 26 from the field, 3 of 3 from the three-point land, 4 of 4 from the line, and he hit a game-winning three-pointer. And I'm going to say... You don't about time. <laughs> He's you're not earning that paycheck. You're not a Chris Bosh fan. I'm not at all. I think I I okay. I play as a power forward, and so I like players that are aggressive. He is huge, six eleven, and I think he's a big softy. So I, I'd like to see Chris Bosh step up a whole lot. I think I complained about him every single game I watched last season. Wow. It's yeah. Time. He, he, regardless, he stepped up big time when, when the Heat needed him yesterday. Who else got a lot of minutes where, where LeBron was out? Norris Cold played 27 minutes. Ray Allen, 26 minutes. Uh, Scoring-wise, Dwayne Wade was 8-19 from the field, had 7 assists with 16 points. Mm. Michael Beasley played 26 minutes. Now, I haven't been following the Miami Heat that closely this year. I, I love the NBA. I have my whole life. Um, admittedly, though, I've got a, a lot of a lot of sports I follow. I get into the, the NBA probably more so toward the end of the season. I don't, I don't think that we've seen um, Greg Oden play yet, have no, we? No. And, you know, I think he, unfortunately, his career has been plagued by injuries left and right. And he was great in college. I... You know, someone partial to the big man. You like his his inside presence. Yeah, I really like I liked his game a lot. So I'm really eager to see him get some work in. I'd like to see. I think everybody, if whether it be Grant Hill or you know, back in the day, the guy from Kentucky, uh, um, the Sam Bowie, mm. um, Grant Hill. I said Greg Oden, 
Um, anybody who's plagued by injuries, nobody likes to root against that. So that's a feel-good story. You want to see him come back. Mm-hmm. Grant Hill is a wing player, different than being seven-foot monster. But Grant Hill's got to be the shining star, the, the example of how you can do it. Because Grant Hill turned into a, just a just a, a late in his career after many people had written him off. Mm-hmm. He played a, a many years, uh, many minutes after coming back from his injuries. We're going to head to the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line. Keep in mind, it's 384-1450. Right now, we're joined by a man we haven't heard from in a few weeks. I'll let you guess who it is based on Todd's introduction music. We have on the line with us, Truth. How you doing this morning, Truth? Morning. Truth, are you there? Yes, I'm here. You just enjoying the music. Me too. How you doing? Doing great. How are you this morning? What's on your mind this morning, Truth? Hey, you know, y'all was talking about players who uh, got hurt. I'll tell you, somebody could have had a great NBA career. Okay. It's Bill Walton. Great example. He ended up on the 86 Celtics. He ended up playing a pretty instrumental role in one of the greatest teams, arguably the greatest team ever, winning a title. So he did end up having some success, but you're right. He, he was a, a great player. Truth, you watched him play more than I did, how great would Bill Walton really have been had he not had the injury problems? He, well, let's go to him. He's one of the best center ever played uh, college basketball. So, and then if he was stay healthy uh, in the NBA, he probably been one of the best two big men ever played the game because he could play defense and offense. Do you like him as a commentator? Yeah. Oh no, I don't. I don't like him as a commentator. He, <laughs> Why not? He, he always he's quick to criticize everybody else, but he should criticize his sons the way they play basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, one time I was watching a Lakers game and Bill Walton was commentating, and Luke Walton fouled someone real hard. And based on listening to Walton, uh, Bill Walton commentating, you wouldn't have known it was his son because he was giving him hell about it. He was saying, "Oh, yeah. there's no place for that in the game," and. You know, I mean, Bill Walton is, you're right, very critical of players, despite the fact that if you read his autobiography and you you really dig into Bill Walton's past, he went through stages where, you know, he ate a bunch of acid and he was yeah, a party I'm, animal, yet he's real quick to point the finger and criticize others. I don't like that yeah. so much, Truth. Yeah, I, I call it being a hypocrite. Yeah, mm-hmm. nobody likes a hypocrite. Yeah. All right, let me, guess, let me, let me tell you something about, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say two things about, uh, this one high school girl. Have y'all heard about a girl named Tyra Butts? I have not. I have not. Where's she at? She's, she played for Mount Coma High School, and she's going to Indiana. Uh, girls played for Indiana. Now listen to these tests. We had a holiday tournament in Princeton, Indiana. She had 42 points. She had 48 points. She had 52 points. Friday night she had 60 points. Last night she had 66 points. Wow. Wow. How tall is she? She's 5'11". Five, five what she, position does uh, she play? She, her name is uh, Tara Butts uh, from Mount Carmel High School. Is she a guard, Truth? Yes, yeah, shooting guard. I mean, she's, hey, you know what? She shoots three-pointers from half court. <laughs> you know you're she talking to, to Ashley Danielle here, who is quite the... the the female basketball player herself. Are you aware of of Ashley's credentials on the on the basketball court? <laughs> truth. Yes, 
I'm going to tell you something about her. The day she stay up on the Indiana campus, she'll be another Cody Zeller. To really? The program. They, I'm telling you, and uh, Princeton got a young freshman. Uh, she's a sophomore, and she's ranked number 15, number five in her class. And both of them posts, she's going to go to IU in two more years. Mm-hmm. Indiana program is turning around with the women's. I look out. I see a national I think the U of L women's programs come a long way, and I think she do much better there. They're on national prominence. What do you think, Truth? U of L program? Right. They, it's, they doing great. They, but the, here's the key. Like I tell the Butler fan, you you went to the national championship, but you got to win it. They don't. They don't remember how many runners up you get. It's how many championships you win. How many does IU have? The the boys. No, five. the girls. We're talking girls. You just said that well, the women. But see, then you got to guess what you got to realize is people didn't. They didn't. Uh, uh, when uh, the new, like when Tom Jarrett came there, didn't nobody care about the woman program. Didn't nobody care about UK program. But it's. Now that things is changing, you get Mr. Glass is spending money to to get good coaches there, and and you're seeing a great result there. Indiana girls only won eight games last year; they already won ten ball games this year. True to tie our two topics together, all reference John Wooden, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Bill Walton, like we were talking about. Back in the day, you could argue they didn't have a ton of competition. Maybe similar to Tennessee and Pat Summit and, and Ariema at Connecticut. And over time, I think that maybe what we're seeing now is, you know, there is a couple big programs in Connecticut, in Tennessee. They win all the titles. Everybody knows that. But more parity is coming into the sport. And where schools like Louisville, and I guess sounds like, I'll be honest, I plead ignorance. I don't know about Indiana's women's team. But maybe they're rising to the level too. What do you like? What do you think of my comparison? Saying women's basketball is just I, and I don't want to be negative toward women's basketball. I find it very interesting and appealing. Um, maybe fifty years behind men's basketball, and just going through a different stage of the game right now. Listen, you know the difference between the women's playing now and the women's played back then. And Pat, women's is becoming more athletic. They can dunk now. They can shoot better. They can shoot better than the guy. And plus, the women's, they practice on that game. Even if they play ALU, they spend quality time playing. It's fair. That is fair. Yeah. I think, too, a woman, you have the exception to the rule like Brittany Griner that can dunk. But for the most part, most women can't. So majority of the time, you see women's basketball players are a lot more fundamentally sound than men are because they can't rely on their athleticism to jump over people and run past people the same way that men can. So I think that makes sense. You know what just popped in my head is I wonder who overall shoots a better free throw percentage, women's basketball or men's basketball. That to me would be indicative of who really focuses on the fundamentals more. Mm -hmm. I don't know the answer, but it's an interesting uh, comparison. The women's does. It's not even close. I bet. I bet. I, bet that, I bet that that you're right. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I bet you're right. Truth. I can tell you because I keep up with it. Really? Yes. Because if you look at it, uh, just look in the WNBA. Uh, most of the women who play point guard, they shoot about 88 percent. And in the NBA, in the last five years, you only really have one guard shot over 80, 90 percent, and shot over 50 percent. It was Steve Nash. 
Ashley, what did you shoot in college from the line for your I career? Sucked. <laughs> At the line? I was you, you were a center. You were the all-time uh, waiting rebounder. Yeah. What was your free throw percentage? I think I was like 73, 74%. That doesn't suck. It's not good, though. What, I what college? What I college went to a Berea College. Yet? I played at Berea College. That's better hey, than U of L did yesterday. Hey, <laughs> hey, uh, have you ever heard? I'm going to throw this one now. Have you ever heard a little point guard named Princess Winston played at Bellman College? Uh, no, no. When? She led the nation. She led in the nation in assists in 2008. And oh no, I graduated. Ooh, I shouldn't say that out loud. But in 2005, so after that, I got pretty kind of out of touch. Okay, I'll see y'all later. I'll holler at you next week. Thank you very much for the call, Truth. Have a great rest of your weekend. You know, good conversation there. And I mean, let's be honest, great music. <laughs> you gotta like the talk of Bill Walton, women's basketball. There's no denying it, Todd. There's no denying it. You live in Kentucky. You sit in Kentucky. You're a basketball person. Absolutely. I mean, how excited. You hear the excitement in all of our voices when talking about old school Bill Walton and comparing women's basketball to men's basketball. Basketball still dominates this state. There's no I question no about question it. no question about it. You know, some, I was thinking um, when Truth was talking, we were talking about injuries, players that would, could have probably had good careers. I used to really like Yao Ming. I did, too. And he could shoot free throws. Yeah, he was good. He shot like 90% one year, yeah. and he was 7'6". Yeah, I think injuries, you know, had he not He's a great example. Those. He yeah. he should have been a, God, I, if, if in his prime, I mean, a 7'6 guy who can block shots, mm-hmm. can shoot 88% from yeah. the line, uh, is a really underrated passer. Mm-hmm. He was he was he was legit. I think pretty all around player. I remember um, I was in China for a month, like I think two thousand five, two thousand six, and that was the one station. Whenever we got to sit in the hotel, um, I watched sports, and they played Yao Ming basketball games all really? day long. That's cool. <laughs> We're gonna head to a break here. On the other end, we will be back with the the. Ashley's Loco Cinco, second edition, weekly weekly series where we get some craziness, crazy stories in the world of sports. Todd, Ashley, and I will be back with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. We're all privileged to hear what is the second weekly edition of, I like to call it, Ashley's Crazy or <laughs> Ashley's Loco Cinco, you where know, she, she okay. runs down the five craziest stories in the world of sports. A lot of people would agree with the Ashley's Crazy part, but I like the Loco Cinco better. <laughs> I like just announcing it like, and now it's time for Ashley's Crazy. Okay, and so, the fans go wild. And the fans go wild, <laughs> and people are just pumping their fists. So, I've got five stories for you today. I didn't put them in order this week, so we can talk about it at the end, me, you, and Todd. Which one is your number one? Okay. First story. So, we all remember former President George Bush, the father. Okay. So, 89-year-old former President George Bush, like a kid in the candy shop at the Houston Texans football game this past weekend, Cameras found him in a sea of Texans cheerleaders dressed as naughty Santas. 
<laughs> what? I didn't hear about this. Todd, yes, did you hear about pictures. this? I need pictures there of this. Are pictures, there are not. pictures. How saw, old did you say he is? He's 89. Wow. And apparently, if you make it to 89, you, you, anything's fair game. Anything's fair game. Well, he may as well have been nude. <laughs> Right? Well, why, so. why not? You're 89. Well, apparently, uh, Mr. Bush has a thing for attractive young women because back no, in 2000, get the hell out! You <laughs> shut the hell up! Hey, you hey. Barbara. Hey, <laughs> you are lying. Old men liking young, attractive women. Oh, no. get the hell out of here! Oh, okay, okay. Well, wow, apparently. that's a great story. I love this. Yeah. Well, apparently, in 2009, he had a bikini birthday party with some very physically fit ladies. So my question. Todd said, Barbara Bush, where is she? And is she okay with this behavior? She popped out of the cake. Then, and I remember <laughs> that. Oh, my God. Is, it, is, it fu- is that funny or is it creepy? I think, I think maybe it's funny because he's a former president. I think it's creepy if it was anyone else. Now, what if it was Bill Clinton? It, it, it would, would be, be more, expected. It would be more uh, expected. Very much. You know, but but I mean the 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 father or the grandfather of Dare and the anti drug movement and the ultra cons- I mean that doesn't seem fitting for for George Bush Senior. Now he was head of the CIA, so he's got some <laughs> James Bond stuff going on there. Oh, so wow. that the womanizing yeah, right. and all, all that goes hand in hand, right? Wow. Okay. Yeah, international man of mystery. <laughs> well, apparently. Well, <laughs> next story is don't make a bet with Aaron Rodgers. So, I don't know if you guys remember the R&B group Boys to Men. Do you remember them? I do. Sure. Todd? Sure. Okay. So, Wayne and Morris, which is one of their lead singers, said that he made a bet last year with Aaron Rodgers that if Green Bay Packers beat the 49ers, he would wear a Packers, or wait, he would wear a jersey, one of their jerseys, if they lost. They lost. He chickened out. So, so so Aaron Rodgers was going to wear the jersey, or, or the, the boys to men guy was going to wear Aaron Rodgers jersey. Okay, so if, if I'm Aaron Rodgers team lost, he would wear the opposing team's jersey. Okay, and he was going to have to take pictures and all of that. But he chickened out, so they lost. He chickened out. He didn't do it. When so so he just backed out. He just backed out. But then, sometime this year, he said that to one of his Twitter followers that if Ryan Braun ever tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs, he would pay this guy's salary. Oh, okay, wow. yeah. So he backed out on that. And so these, are, these are both coming public. They're both coming public now. And Aaron so, Rodgers is a liar. He's a liar, and he backs out. He's a coward. He backs out on his bets and promises. So what does that say about his character was my question. And do you want someone like that leading your team? Do you really want the discount double-check? No. That's what I want to. But, but, you know, Ashley, um, wasn't there a little wager on the U of L UK game with, uh, with, Carlo, with Carlo? Yes. Uh, and about he, the uh, Pepe Van Winkle. Yes. And I, you know, I actually went into a store. Um, I live in uh, near Westport Village and I went into the little wine and spirit store. And they are actually sold out of Pepe Van Winkle. So I am going to follow through on my bet. Very commendable. Thank you. Very uh, commendable. You know, it hurts me to my spirit to do so, but I will do it because I have to keep my word. Even more so after calling out Aaron Rodgers on a huge nationally broadcasted radio show. I'm you, sure Aaron, you I have, have to follow. To. 
Aaron Rodgers listens. He sure does. Now you have to follow through. I definitely have to follow through. So I found out that a bottle of Pappy Van Winkles, like over $200. Jeez, so you have to buy him one? I have to buy Carlo one. And so you're going to do it? I'm going to do it. Oh, my God. You know, he texted me and said, actually a few minutes ago, and said, yeah, you guys sound good. Um, Please note that I want my um, to redeem on my bet. And I said, okay. You know, it's all about character. It's all about character. It is. Character counts. Right. We will have the – I'll do play-by-play of it. I'll take one for the team, and I'll see <laughs> Ashley handing it over to Carlo maybe next very week. very ceremonial. Very ceremonial. Take the first drink. Take the first drink. Maybe the second well, drink. Well, they told me they have a waiting list. Apparently, this is a very, very popular drink that there's over 200 people on the waiting list. So it's probably going to be a little bit before it actually gets here. Yeah, there wow. Was, there was a couple thousand cases stolen. Oh, wow. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I saw that. So they've been still looking out for that. You know, this Aaron Rodgers story brings to, to my mind the, the question of, would Brett Farr follow through on his bets? I have a feeling he would. I feel like he would. He seems like He's a, a Wrangler-wearing, good yeah. old-fashioned guy. I think Brett Farr wouldn't have anything to do with this. I think I think he would, you know, come through on his promises. That's disappointing. It is. To get a reputation as somebody who makes bets— I'll tell you this much. If Aaron Rodgers tries to convince me to do a bet, I'm going to tell him hell no. Yeah. No. Nope. Going forward. Yeah, right? that's what they said. I'm not messing with it. Boys men he can leave me alone. never, ever bet him anything again. All right. So that's number two. two. Mm-hmm. Very impressive thus far. What do you have? Well, What's thank num- you. Number three. This is interesting because um, I think Carolina was talking about the Chick-fil-A bowl, but Texas A&M football star Darian Claiborne has been in a bit of trouble as of late. Uh, the 19-year-old linebacker who's led the team in tackles was arrested on December 22nd in Texas after a routine traffic stop went horribly wrong. According to the cops, Claiborne was riding in a car without front plates, which is against the law in Texas. Not a big deal to me. Right, right. And two of the three people in the car were not wearing their seatbelt. Also, not that big of a deal. I'm looking forward to the rest of this story very much. (laughs) (laughs) The officer that pulled the car over said that he smelled pot coming from the passenger side, which is where Claiborne was sitting. Okay. Even though Claiborne insisted that he was only smoking a black and mild cigar. So, the cops searched the car, found a small bag of marijuana, and five white and blue capsules hitting in the most... Interesting hiding place. Oh, God. Can you guys guess oh, God. where they were <laughs> hidden? Keep in mind, it's the holiday season. Okay. Keep in mind, it's the holiday season. Bottom of a stocking. Nope. Wow. I have no idea. Let me think. Holiday <laughs> season. I got to be able to figure this out. Um, inside a, Christmas, a wrapped Christmas gift with his mother's name on it. <laughs> Who would want to open that? Close. Okay. So they had hidden marijuana and prescription pills inside a giant Hershey's Kisses ornament. Wow. <laughs> oh, Lord. It's pretty smart. <laughs> but, mean, I mean, if you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're a police off, none of that's actually very smart. It's, right, right. <laughs> I should backtrack on that. <laughs> but, I mean, if you're trying to hide something, I think I would have put it in something and said, you can't open that. That's my mom's, mom's present. Christmas you want to ruin my mom's Christmas. Yeah. So the cop said he also found a, smarshly, a partially smoked blunt inside one of the shoes and the floorboard of the car so there was more stuff but apparently claiborne says the pills were adderall that his roommate gave him to help him cram for his finals and he didn't have a prescription so he was arrested booked for possession of dangerous drugs and possession of marijuana was released on a six thousand dollar bond which i wonder who paid and he's been apparently punished by texas a&m who suspended him from playing in the chick-fil-a bowl 
Um, so should he be cut some slack for his creativity and hiding? No. <laughs> and I wonder what makes the cops look inside the ornament. Huh. Never know. It might have had a dog. Well, that's true. So. That wasn't in the story, but you never know. Yeah, and just to give you a NASCAR connection to this, um, A.J. Allmendinger tested positive for Adderall. He was having some problems sleeping, et cetera, and uh, a friend of his gave him, said, here, this will help you, and he took it, and it actually was Adderall, and he got pulled for random after the race. Mm. So he was suspended for the same thing. I I just can't stop thinking of the Ricky Bobby thing where his dad – what was it? I can't remember the exact. He says, all right, now there's a, a an ounce of cocaine in the, the floorboard <laughs> right. of this. You better not get right. caught. Yeah. And then he just takes off. So, that's, where, that's where my mind went when I heard the, the connection. Did that just happen this week? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Why, why, yeah, why? That's unfortunate. You know, my dad always told me, try not to do dumb stuff. Try not to get in trouble. Do we ever listen to our parents? We don't listen to our parents. But no. if you want to avoid getting in trouble, really minimize how much you're doing stuff in a car. Right. Go right. to a field. Seriously. And and do Go your Adderall and your and your your weed. I mean, come on. Let's 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 try to avoid smoking it in the car. If they weren't smoking it in the car, they wouldn't have got caught. And yeah. you know, if you're gonna do it, why is it always either have a tail light out, a exactly. license yeah. make sure that your car you is seatbelts on. You know, you're you're saying, here I am, come get, come me. get me. In hindsight, I mean, there's many examples of things that I did myself when I was young that I could be very critical of and made very dumb decisions. So I can't really say that that's a dumb person. But, you know, that's something I'll try to instill in my kids is, hey, man. Don't watch, I'm making my kids watch episodes of Cops. <laughs> really? Do not do this. You know, don't run a stop sign. Don't ever. Make sure your taillights work, and then you'll never get pulled over. I'll tell my kids, don't ever run from a cop in your car. On foot, I mean, you'll get away. In a car, you're going to get busted. That's what I always say. Yeah, I said it once. I said it a hundred times. On foot, they're not going to catch you. In a car, you're you're screwed. You cannot run from a cop in a car. All right, so that's number three. Number we get three. to rank these afterwards. That yes. was a good one. That was a good one. What, what is number four? Number four, former Bengals star Chad Johnson Ocho Cinco visited a Toys R Us store in Florida to pick up some last-minute Christmas gifts on Tuesday. Nothing odd about that, right? But in the toy store, he's wearing a shirt with a very large message for all the boys and girls to see. Ocho Cinco? Yes. His shirt says, Carpe, Carpe, that effing DM. Seriously. <laughs> so you've got part of the phrase written in Latin, so probably the kids won't get the whole scene. He's real. Day. This, 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 <laughs> this, this uh, Chad Johnson is so creative with his linguistic creativity, right? Right, right. So, you know, the kids probably aren't going to get the seize the day message, but effing was written in plain English for all the kids to see. So media reached out, asked Chad about, you know, why would he do this? Why he'd wear that shirt? And he said, well, I should have just gone in with no shirt at all. So, I mean, what the <laughs> hell is wrong with this guy? Really? I mean, you know, so then it's like, of course, at this point, you can't be fined by any league. But I mean, do you think someone like him should still be scrutinized for something like that? Or is he not a role model? So it doesn't matter. He's irrelevant. He's irrelevant. And and he if he wants to wear a shirt that like that, that's his choice. It is his choice. Does anybody it, care what George Bush wears? Apparently. Oh, OK. <laughs> 
No, I, I I think it's a dumb decision. Chad Johnson has has done plenty already, I think, to I don't want to say ruin his reputation because he'll always be remembered for being a, a, a character and some one of the diva wide receivers along with T.O. Mm-hmm. who really marketed himself as an individual and made a lot of money that way. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how he's but I mean overall I'm a Bengals fan. I think he's he's a not not the brightest guy. No. And this story really proves that. Agreed. Last story. So we know that the Lakers have been struggling as of late, but Lakers coach Mike D'Antoni says their fans should not be discouraged. I disagree, but that's what he says. So he says that if the fans are discouraged, then they need to find another team to root for. Wow. He said this? He said that in a press conference uh, this past week after they lost um, to Phoenix, to the Phoenix Suns. So many of the Laker fans, of course, expressed their dislike to this comment on Twitter and in a lot of the comment sections of Lakers-related articles, and they thought that those comments weren't fair to them. So following Tuesday's practice, head coach apologized. He said, I was an idiot last night. I was out of my mind. You know, we're in preparation for this game, and we need you guys. I was just ticked off. We didn't play well. And so I said some stuff. I made a mistake. So... Basically, instead of telling them to root for another team, he's asked for them to now stay and cheer for them. Should the fans forgive him? Should they take his advice? Are the Lakers a lost cause this season? They're a lost cause. And the money they threw at Kobe Bryant, this whole team, I wouldn't be surprised if D'Antoni gets fired after this season. D'Antoni, those comments are not smart at all. He should have really consulted someone before criticizing the people who... What did Jack say? Or Leonardo? Oh, I what did the fans? Yeah, yeah. What, what did Jack Nicholson or <laughs> any of those Coach guys Caprio. say? Good question. Because and then you wonder, you know, was the apology his idea, or did that come from higher up? He said you will apologize to our fans for that comment. I don't know, man. The Lakers are the most extreme example of in this season. We don't care about. We don't care about actually winning. We're trying to sell tickets, and to say go root for another team that is really screwing up that whole theory. I'll let our man Tyler. Help us to rank these five crazy sports-related stories when we jump to the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line. Keep in mind, it is 384-1450. Tyler, are you there with us? Yeah, Kelly, I'm here just waking up after a beautiful night of celebrating a big win yesterday. Long night, huh? Well, good morning. <laughs> hey, well, good morning to you. And, I, you know, the first thing I tune into is Kelly and you guys talking blunts and booze and all this shenanigans stuff and it comes to me and then I hear Kelly you know giving tips and ideas and I probably listen to him because he has past experience Uh, he probably really knows what he's talking about (laughs) I appreciate that Tyler did you did you get a chance to hear the the second weekly edition of Ashley's Loco Cinco if so which of those five stories is the craziest sports story to you Um, definitely the booze the one with the ornament that was very odd to me I agree it it really struck me i would never ever have thought to do something like that would it would it ever cross your mind tyler to hide i'm not saying that you'd be in a position like that ever but if you were would you hide something in a in in an ornament like that i I would not i I watch a lot a lot of those um criminal shows and they're always doing like really fancy ways like like take cell phones and whatnot into stores please Uh into like clean and it's interesting i'm sorry what the last thing that you said i couldn't hear you no, oh, I was saying I watch a lot of those uh, crime shows and jail shows, Kelly. And 
Uh, you know, they're always doing their own little ways to get their drug matches in. But the ornament trick, I've never seen that one. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, those crime shows, I think, will scare you straight, if nothing else. Tyler, what do you think of the George Bush Sr. thing? I mean, if you make it to 89 years old and you had the opportunity to go surround yourself with many very young, beautiful, beautiful, hot-bodied cheerleaders in an NFL complex, even if you're married, would you pass that up and would you have even taken it to another level? I mean, I'm not going to hate on the old man. I mean, by Petrino and Rick Petrino have done it, so why not? True. <laughs> Tyler, well, overall, what is your take on the, the, the yesterday's events? You know, we got the Kentucky game. We got the Louisville Bowl victory. How significant is this win for Cal? He's now 5-1 and one against Rick since arriving in Lexington. Going forward, does this win really matter for the Wildcats? And does the loss really matter for the Cards? I mean, as the game goes, yeah, the win definitely matters. It's the first true win for Kentucky uh, ranked team. You didn't want to go 0-4, obviously, off Michigan State, North Carolina, and Baylor already. Uh, but the loss to the Cardinals, in my opinion, that, you know, he now got handled by North Carolina. Good game against Kentucky. You did lose. Now you got to look at Memphis-UConn victories later in the season to establish those big wins. So, in my opinion, yes, it's a big win for Kentucky. It's nothing – that's an ex- that I wasn't expecting, Kelly. But fair enough. Well, Tyler, we really appreciate your call. We got to head to a break before we let you go. I know you work very hard on our website, KentuckySports.com. Um, um, let our listeners know what's your what's your Twitter uh, handle. I mean, let, let our listeners know how they can follow you. Tyler Bloyd, KentuckySports.com. Check him out. He's very active. He works hard, covers the University of Kentucky Wildcats, golf, and all other sports for us. We're going to head to a break. we got a couple, a couple callers lined up on the other end. We'll be back with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. I'm Kelly Patrick we, alongside <coughs> Ashley Danielle. We have Todd Neal running the boards for us. Great segment there. The second weekly edition of Ashley's Crazy, or <laughs> you can call it Ashley's Loco Cinco. Thank you. So we had some good stuff there. Got to talk about George Bush Sr. Really groping some young cheerleaders, which nobody <laughs> will ever complain about. Um, Maybe the cheerleaders. We, we, we've had a very active day on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line. I want to encourage all our listeners to give us a call, 502-384-1450. We're going to head to the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line where we have Mark on the line with us. How are you doing this morning, Mark? Doing well, Kelly. How are you? Doing great. It was. It's the Mark. Uh, Mark's a long call, longtime caller. We haven't heard from you in a while, Mark. Where, where, where have you been at? Just been working hard, keeping my nose to the grindstone, and uh, looking forward to a good day of uh, 
NFL football. I know, Mark, you have some roots in the Ohio and Cincinnati area, as along with myself, so I'm a lifelong Bengals and Reds fan, as you are also. Today we have the Baltimore Ravens playing against our Cincinnati Bengals at 1 o'clock. What is on the line with this, and what are you expecting from today's game? Well, there's a lot on the line, and there's a lot of games that uh, that, that matter to both the Bengals, the uh, Ravens. It, it just goes down the list. It's quite amazing. First, I'd like to comment about Ashley's list there. And I had to love uh, George Herbert Walker Bush's entry into the fray. Um, you, you can't at 89. You can't not let that fellow win uh, the poll. <laughs> right. He, he wins. Hey, if I'm 89, that's the way I want to go out. And what I would say, what I was saying, Mark, is he might as well have been nude because you're 89. Live it up. Have a good time. It's funny. People like it. It's not creepy. It's funny. <laughs> you're right, and it's also. And I'm going to segue this into the Bengals. It's also the the uh, president that was in office the last time the Bengals won a playoff. Oh. <laughs> That was now, good. I love my Bengals, don't get me wrong, but uh, we, we've had quite a drought since 1990. His son, uh, George W., was a Texas Ranger co-owner the last time we were in the, the one a playoff game. So we really have to get over that hump this year. This is uh, It's a big game not only for the spot. looks like we're a three right now, but it's so dependent upon what happens. Now, as you stated earlier, I think New England's going to beat Buffalo. I don't think that's going to be a problem. But the Colts are still in the fray. Um, it, it's it's uh, the scenarios are endless in the AFC. NFC is a little bit more. Uh, you win, you're in. But um, there's a lot of teams still in. The Dolphins seem to be the the uh, the team that the Bengals are probably going to play. If all three, meaning New England, Cincinnati, and Miami, win, then the Bengals will host the Dolphins. Um, that's probably the most likely scenario. I think. What do you guys think? Yeah, it sounds like the most likely scenario there, Mark. Um... I am a very vocal critic of Andy Dalton. Yeah, pause there. Pause there, <laughs> Ashley. What, what? I was going to ask you, you know, Kelly is not a fan of Andy Dalton. How do you think he's doing, and are you a fan, or are you not? Um, you know, it, it's such a hard one to, to, to grasp because sometimes he looks uh, like the quarterback that doesn't make mistakes that you need back there, and then sometimes – I think he, he tries to make too many things happen. He like, focused too much on A.J. Green, uh, doesn't utilize the tight ends. I, I've always loved the tight end use, and I thought when we got Eifert this year and we have Gresham, I thought that would be utilized more. You know, their short little dump-off passes over the middle of the slant route uh, is not utilized, I don't think, against uh, very often in Bengal football. Uh, I think he goes home run a little bit with A.J., and his balls tend to sail more. Uh, he's not a great scrambler. And I think he's a very average NFL quarterback. Uh, I don't know if they're going to ever make a move in the next few years on, on replacing him because you, you can't fault that defense for, for, for much. They're the fifth uh, total defensive team in the NFL, and uh, they've obviously won some games. I, I question why Marvin Lewis, quite frankly, is still coach, and I know that might sound a little awkward considering the last few years, but I'll throw out a stat to you. He's the only NFL coach in history – that now he's in his eleventh year now, but after ten full seasons with one team to have a losing record, um, he now is a little over five hundred, but uh, has never won a playoff game, and uh, they really have to get over that. I I made some comparison to some friends the other day with the Reds and the Bengals, and I compared them a little bit to Dusty, 
and the difference between the Reds franchise and the Bengals franchise is that the Reds got rid of Dusty because he couldn't get over that hump. He couldn't win that play, those playoff series. So uh, I don't mean to be too harsh. We've had some nice records. This is third year in a row in the playoffs. But uh, we've got to go past the first round. And we could very well end up playing uh, the Chiefs also, which could be an interesting uh, little ball game that we have. I think we could take the Dolphins, but uh, the Chiefs might roll into town. So it's uh, it's really dependent upon how things fall. We could also go into a bye week. If New England loses and we win, we can we can have a bye, which would obviously be a, a great way to go. My criticism of Andy Dalton is not how he plays at Paul Brown Stadium. He plays it's great there. He is, he is uh, Kurt Warner 2.0 at Paul Brown Stadium. No complaints from me levy toward him regarding his play at home. My concern is, and I believe I have a legitimate reason for this concern, is that there is not a snowball's chance in hell he's going to go on the road in the playoffs and win. Can we beat Miami and Cincinnati? Sure. Do you honestly think there's a chance, Mark, that Dalton will get on a magical Eli Manning-esque type run and lead this Bengals team deep into the playoffs and maybe even to the Super Bowl? Is it possible? Well, it's certainly possible based on their defense. And as they always say, defense wins championship. If he limits his inter- uh, it seems like when he throws one or two, he throws four. Yeah, and that's not if, good. Uh, no, it's not good. Uh, if they can keep him under wraps, if they could get uh, uh, their running backs, they have a nice tandem of running backs. Uh, I think that they, if they can ground and pound, I'm quite frankly, I, I know we've won every game this year at home. I'm worried about this game. This game could be a crucial factor on, on what happens, obviously, uh, who we play, but also the psyche at home. The Ravens come to town, which have been a big nemesis for the Bengals. Um, if it becomes here, – here's what I think encapsulates your point. If it becomes a shootout at any time in the playoffs, I don't feel good. If it's a ground-and-pound, low-scoring game, I think the Bengals can, can win against a lot of teams. But I, I know they're explosive at times, but – uh, on to your point, I don't think if in any game that turns to be a, a shootout of, uh, of sorts, I don't think we're going to fare very well. Mark, great call. I think you bring up some very legitimate points, observations. I don't know if our switch from the Thursday night slot to the Sunday show is the reason you haven't been calling in, but we look forward to hearing from you again soon. And, and go Bengals. Thank you very much, Mark. Appreciate it. You guys have a great day. Thanks, you too. Good stuff there. A lot of over-analysis of the Bengals. I know Todd and I are both Bengals fans. I had this same conversation before the the Reds had the one-game playoff with the Pirates. There's so much focus put on to not making the playoffs, not having a good regular season. That's great. What matters is, really, and what the St. Louis Cardinals and the Pittsburgh Steelers and the good organizations in professional sports do is they put themselves in a position to to make a run through the playoffs and to yeah. and, and to maybe even make the championship. I don't see it happening. I hope I'm proven wrong. Who's your favorite NFL team, Ash? I don't have one. Remember you? Okay. Can I offer you an opportunity to be a member of the Cincinnati Bengals fans? I will think about it. Texans. 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 <laughs> because they of the, need all the fans they can get. You know, when I was a when I was a little girl, do you remember starter jacket? I do. Yep. Who okay. was your starter jacket? My what starter team? jacket was the Dallas Cowboys. I knew oh, okay. I knew it. That was the most popular. <laughs> That's and because of our sponsor, Brandon, Brandon J. Lawrence. Where J stands for? It justice. stands for justice. Stands he for is justice. the biggest Cowboys fan around. And we My, want to thank him for bringing yeah. the, bringing this to the, our listeners each and every week. Certainly. Yeah. So my best friend. Marissa Benberry. 
and her entire family are Dallas Cowboys fans. So In you're fact, a Cowboys fan. Well, I, I wouldn't say that, but I, I probably would be more partial to them than anyone else just because of the history. And she and I were roommates all through college. In fact, her mother's birthday cake last week was the Dallas Cowboys logo. So why don't you have a favorite team? Are you an NFL fan? What's uh, the deal? I like I like football, period. I tend to like college football more. Same with basketball because I think they play harder. Um, and I think, you know, in, in college – the kids get together and they play as a team for the team. I think a lot of times in the pros, a lot of the players get focused on individual statistics and glory, so it's not the same game. I do like um, professional football. I like to see people get hit. That's probably my favorite part of the sport. But I just haven't picked a team yet. So. Maybe wherever Teddy Bridgewater gets drafted. Is I that, will cheer Is that what you were team. alluding to, Todd? Is If Teddy Bridgewater goes to the Texans, I will be a Texans that'll be fan. your what favorite team. What about Devontae team? Parker? Devontae Parker, man. That guy is a stud. He is a he stud. He really is. He's a stud. I'm you know, partial to Teddy, but Parker is a stud. Uh, I actually probably Years him. ago, I actually saw him play when he was about eight years old at Ike's Point. Really? really? He, yes. And everybody was saying Devontae's going to be a superstar. And he was. His uh, grandfather's Willie Parker. He was uh, an official for the Kentucky Football Officials Association for a long time. And... Uh, He's he's brought up that kid in a tremendous way. It was an article but in about the paper. But Devontae used to be absolutely – he was great when he was small. You know, we've already covered so much in today's show. I mean, we've talked about, what, old and 89-year-old men um, <laughs> going to young women. We've talked about how to uh, evade the police. Yes. We've talked about hiding drugs. Hiding drugs, yes. Um I mean, we've really covered a lot of great stuff today. I'll go ahead and throw another wrinkle in, some gossip. Uh-oh. That article about about Devontae Parker and his grandfather, I happen to be friends with, with on, on Facebook with Anthony Shellman, Devontae Parker's biological father, and that article didn't shed that good of a light on, on Shellman. It mm. didn't. He did move to New Jersey when De- Devontae Parker was 10 years old, mm. but Shellman posted, Anthony Shellman posted something really not happy with the light that he was portrayed in uh, within that article. And so, I mean, a little a little drama there. Everybody likes drama. In the knockout hour earlier, we, we stirred a little bit up between, uh, between a couple fighters. And now, Anthony Shellman, who's very proud of his son, as he should be, he was a Louisville legend himself. He ran for over 1,000 yards, 15 touchdowns his senior year, sometime in the 90s. I forgot the exact year. But he was a very accomplished running back for the, the cards and not getting the, the, the love that he thinks he, he's deserved by Adam Himmelsbach. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. We're going to head back to the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line. Keep in mind, phone number is 384-1450. Who do we have on the line with us, Todd? Is it Mike? Mike wants to talk it's about Mike. the cards and the cats. How, How are you doing? doing this? Doing great. How are you doing? Pretty good. I just want to bring out two points about the UKU of L game. Uh, that frustrated me a whole lot. Nobody's really mentioning the fact that uh, supposedly a coy gal was uh, definitely suspended, and then all of a sudden when Pacino needed him, he put it in, put him oh, in the game. Oh, good point. You know what I want to and point then, out? That, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go on, Mike. And then my last point is, you know, Will fans need to not get off the officials. I, I will, uh, as a Kentucky fan, I would take the officiating that Louisville got and uh, have my best player on the floor. There, that excuse to me just doesn't resonate. When Julius Randle doesn't play and Kentucky steps up, you've got to give Kyle Perry a ton of credit. No, there's no denying that, Mike. I will not deny at all that I saw Russ Smith travel a couple times. He didn't get called for it. 
There was calls that went both ways. It's a crazy, hectic, chaotic environment. Sure, I, I, I think it's a little interesting that it, they were called for carries. When I, You could call that almost any play. Or not any play, but they did call a couple carries. But to blame it on the officials is just being a fan that I don't ever want to be. You should be able to overcome the uh, uh, the officials or any type of circumstances that you're in, especially when the most unguardable player, Julius Randle, in the country is out, doesn't attempt a field goal in the second half. And, uh, you know, even, even Patino after the game mentioned the officials got wrapped up in the crowd and, you know, I you know definitely I'm looking at the game from both sides, but I just didn't see a, a poorly officiated game. I saw missed calls on both sides, but I saw it be pretty consistent. Pretty consistent. I agree I with disagree. that. You okay, Ashley? I, why? I think I disagree, especially on the inside. I thought there was this, especially the one thing that I'm always partial to is um, fouls called during rebounding, and I saw a, a couple called on Shane Behannon that were being done exactly the same on the other end of the floor that was missed. Because my my one post related to the referees was how many over-the-back calls did we miss today. Like, I understand that a lot of their players are significantly bigger than us, but when one player has position in front of the other and is blocked out and someone goes over the back, it's the same call either way. I think they missed that a lot. I never saw Lily call his time pushing by in the back. I just saw him jump up and grab a rebound because he's tall and he's more athletic. Well, not necessarily push, I mean, but, me, you know, I Lo- think... Loyville's front court is, is just really, really missing... Uh, a, a premier player, and you know, to me, you're seeing the guy like Montrez. Uh, his draft stock is just plummeting because it's shown that he can't really play against guys with really good length. I agree with that. That's a very fair point. I, I texted one of my buddies last night, and I, I hate to be the I told you so guy, but I will. Before the season, I said I wouldn't be surprised if both Shane and Montrez are back next season. I think they have. Well, I don't know about. Shane. About about who you think? About he, Shane. Why? No, why would he not, be leaving? I think that I his... think he's a cancer. He's a Derek character, and wow. he needs to get away. To be honest, I think that's I think that's who Shane Bahannon is. Until he's able to show that he can get his act together on a consistent basis. Sure, he's. You can say that, and I, I won't entirely disagree with you, Ashley. But he's a junior, and what has he accomplished this freshman and sophomore seasons? And how instrumental? Was he in both runs? Yeah, he's very, very, very So he's a winner. He's a cancer, sure, but he's a winner. Now, he, talking about gossip, did we ever find out why he was suspended indefinitely and then came back? No, those aren't released. Mike, what do you think of that? Those, you, another point you made there was a Goya cow was indefinitely suspended. I will emphasize the word indefinite. If anyone has a, a dictionary close by, I don't. I don't have a dictionary on me, but I'm pretty sure indefinite means... We don't know. How it's long. an undetermined amount of time. Right. Once again, I don't have a dic- I don't have a dictionary on me. Pretty sure it means it could be a minute, could be ten years. What do you think, Mike? But he also didn't. He also didn't reinstate him either. I mean, he made a big deal about reinstating Shamahan and reinstating the other guys in the past. I and mean, he basically got to a point and said, "Okay, I'm pretty much stuck here. I've got to play this week because I've got no one else that I can throw underneath." Because Ventrese was lost the entire game. Uh, Mango actually, I thought, played pretty well and showed some promise. And, uh, but, you know, you basically got nothing out of Shane Behan. And, uh, although he hit the boards pretty hard and, uh, Montrez just, you know, I, again, I just think he's getting exposed. You're seeing a guy who is now being game playing for, who's, it's showing that he really can't score outside of three feet within the basket. He's not that good of a defender and he's not that good of a rebounder. That's fair. You know, I, fair. part of me sees Montrez Harrell out there. We all love his facial expressions. 
in his crazy. It looks like he's really competitive at all times, but sometimes I think he gets a little carried away with that. I he's probably the most emotional player I've seen. Yeah, and and, and sometimes there will be a call against him, and you'll look at him, and he's laughing, he's, uh-huh. and he's like, "What are you?" T-? You know, when in reality he should be focused and have his game face on. Yeah. He doesn't need to be, you know, um, really focusing on trying to be a professional. Sometimes he reminds me of a professional wrestler. He's trying to get the crowd at, amped up. He's over there doing all these theatrics. We need him to just focus on doing, even if it's just being a workhorse, do your thing, Montrez. Don't don't focus on trying to look cool. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, even on the good side, when he's done something great, like he's very emotional and that's great, but then if something bad happens, he misses a shot, he gets blocked, there's a bad foul called on him or a foul period, it's like he's lost it and he's very emotional and you can see it like his body language, which Certainly. isn't good. Mike, I want to thank you very much for the call. Have a great rest of your weekend. We Thanks look forward for to calling, talking Mike, with UK you soon. Fan. <laughs> Happy New Year, guys. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Mike. Ashley, Todd, and I will be back with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Last segment of an action-packed show. Like I said, we've covered lots of ground, talked about all sorts of interesting topics. It's the day after. Louisville went 1-1 one one yesterday. They had a bowl game, lost the Battle of the Bluegrass in Rupp Arena. As our, our, our last caller, Mike, pointed out, um, you know, you can't blame it all on the refs. Ashley, you seem to think that the refs really had a, a, a hand in it more so than I do. Is that right? I, th- I think they play a role. And oh, they certainly play they a role, play but a role. can you blame this loss? I don't blame the entire loss on them. Absolutely not. I think that they're – maybe, you know, maybe it's, you know, the lighting's bad in Rep Arena and they can't really see what's going on. But, no, I won't I won't blame it on the referees at all. I think that we, um, as Cardinals, did some things that kill ourselves. We did some things that not help ourselves, too. So, um I definitely won't blame the referees. I, I, maybe I don't notice it as much as I should. You played college basketball four years. Mm-hmm, four years. How often would you see it that, that someone just gets called for, for a carry like that? I've never seen two carries called in one game, ever. Was, that, was I exaggerating when I said no, that? No, I, I think, you know, they went back and actually played in slow motion. Both <laughs> Todd doesn't like this. This is us making excuses. Sorry, Todd. To- but, you know, they went back and played in slow motion, and the one they called on Terry Rozier was not a carry. The one they called on uh, Chris Jones, questionable. I'll T- give that. Todd? I don't know. Somebody, somebody on Twitter actually put... Um, said that uh, they weren't going to ride the bus back home to Louisville. They were all going to walk back home. <laughs> Russ did get away with a couple walks, he got away with and couple. there was a couple times when Russ would drive to the basket in Wayne too, and they would get to the line, and and it's they're throwing themselves in there, and that's why I I think there's some questionable calls that did go Louisville's way, but the carry thing seems like just lot, it seems home, to be home, standing out for a lot of people home cooking, mm. but they won. Like and, I said, and, maybe maybe the lighting's bad in Rupp Arena, and the refs just couldn't. 
So. Julius Randle's the best player in the country, at least the best offensive player in the country, and he did not he did not attempt a, a field goal in the second half. Mm-hmm. Kentucky still won. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we all know this is a rivalry game. I will never say this game doesn't matter, but at the end of the day, what you do in March is what matters. Yes, that was my actually my thought, Todd. <laughs> oh, come March, I know already know what you're going to say. Neutral court, Louisville, Kentucky rematch. Who wins? Uh, who wins that? UK. Of and the reason again, <laughs> once again, who's gonna fill who's gonna fill the middle for you, Bill? Well, you know, if 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 anything happens like it did yesterday, if Julius if, Randall will be out of shape and catch cramps and can't play. Oh but still, even with Julius Randall out, look what it did to the outside perimeter guys. It I think it gave him even more of a chance to shine. Because Randall's been the focus of everything all year. You take Randall out of the equation, and Young stepped up. And once again, you know, like we talked about the Harrisons were awesome. And, you know, you put him back in there, and the Harrisons might go back to their role before and maybe not be um, uh, so explosive. Neutral court. UK. Neutral court, UK? Neutral court. No. Neutral court. Ashley, what, what, if, if Shane Bahannon would have put up – Let's say 16 points. Something. 16 points, 11 rebounds. We win that game. Not only with those 16 points versus zero, mm-hmm. not only with those 16 points have obviously factored into the score, but I think that they would really open things up for uh, Luke Hancock maybe to uh, – Luke was cold. Oh, Luke has been cold. Luke has been April. cold. He's cold at this time last year. Yeah. You know – but I, I think that Shane's presence inside would have been felt more by, I mean, you can't really quantify how much an inside, we go from zero inside presence to then having a, a very potent offensive um, weapon on the inside. That's a huge difference. It is huge because you have an inside presence, then the defenders have to be faithful and they have to guard the inside pass. They've got to they've gotta pay attention to those guys in there. Yesterday, they knew Chris Jones, Russ Smith. Those are the two guys that they're guarding. Because, you know, if you have, say, let's 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 flashback to Gorgie. He's there. He, you know, guys have to honor his game, and they have to commit to guard him. So it opens things up on the perimeter a lot. And that's definitely something that – that's a priceless, priceless thing. It is. I think L will uh, pretty much waltz through the act – Whatever it is, and uh, you know, will be. A, I'm gonna say a two, three seed in the tournament. And I hope you can mark this down on December 29th at 11:55 a.m. I hope that we play you guys in March or April. I do too. I would love to see it. Uh, I think UK is a little more difficult way to go. I think that Florida is uh, the big uh, giant in the SEC this year. But U of L, who's in? They got Memphis. And Connecticut. And Connecticut. UConn. That's it. As of right now, before the new rankings come out, Louisville, according to the USA Today coaches poll, is ranked at number four. Kentucky, number 18. Mm-hmm. What kind of movement can we expect? I see Louisville down to 10, maybe 11. Okay. What, what about, what about maybe Kentucky? Up to 15, 13 to 15, somewhere I would put them. Because, I mean, I don't, I don't see a significant amount. Like, I don't see them moving above 10 with one win when they've lost the other two against the other two ranked opponents. As of yesterday, um, UofL is still not, not defeated a ranked opponent. 
Whereas UK has. Oh yeah, as of this, you guys are one for three, right? We're, we're one in three, but okay. UVL is <laughs> okay. O for oh, okay. how many? Two. That's true. Two. O, 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 o. You guys were 0 and two on Friday until yesterday. Let's just remember that until yesterday. <laughs> and it was a home game for Kentucky mm-hmm. in a rivalry game. Not saying you throw it out. It's important. That was a, a for Kentucky. To have a good shot at getting a nice seed and a relatively easy road, not an easy, but a, you know, an easier road to to the Final Four in, in Texas, um, it's a huge win yesterday. I say, I would say this if Louisville won too. I think it's a huge game to the fans. I think in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big of a deal. I think that that what this represents to me, trying to look at it, trying to be unbiased, look at it from a distance, is. It was starting to look like this may be another version of the 2012 Cats. And it was. And there was a lot of criticism. And you heard people saying uh, all the old things that you say about a freshman-laden team. And that the Coach Cal rolls the ball out there and lets him play. There's no cohesiveness. And that it, maybe they'll have a, another NIT berth. I know that that's extreme. But I think that this victory for the Cats puts that to rest. For now. I'm just They're talking, not going to the NIT <laughs> now, are saying, they? I don't think they're going to NIT. I'm talking about the the labile nature in which Kentucky fans operate. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I want to know how it's going to affect U of L. Losing to a rival like this after coming off a national championship, is it going to affect their psyche anywhere? They uh, maybe find it and say, hey, we ain't got nobody on the inside. We're going to step on the outside and – uh, how is that going to affect the overall scheme of things for U of L? They, they need to get Shane Bahannon to wake the hell up. He, That's the end of the day. I mean, Period. we need Mango can progress a little bit more. And he lo- he's looking good. He's looking way better than he did in September at so, times. And he's or, still young. He's a, fre- a red shirt freshman. He's young. He's mm-hmm. big. He's athletic. He blocked four shots. Mm-hmm. Mango is not a bad player. Is he going to progress the same way that that a that a, a, a similarly aged freshman Gorgie did? I don't know. I remember Gorgie came in and took the starting center spot away from Terrence Jennings his freshman year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't he know didn't that, that even know basketball yet. He didn't know basketball yet. Um, will Agoy, I'm sorry, uh, Mango come in and, and really progress that much? I don't know. What I do know is Shane has proven. You say he's a cancer. Mm-hmm. He's proven though that he, when you need him most, he steps up. Except for yesterday. Except for yesterday. But I'm not giving him a pass for that. You like, don't. You I, don't like Shane. I like his you game. You called him a cancer. Yes, I did. I like his game. His attitude is horrible. I think yesterday, probably after he had been in the game for three minutes, I texted my friend Marissa and I said, he needs to sit down because he's not here. I don't know what planet he's on tonight, but he's not in the game. Wow. It's been a great show. I want to thank Brandon J. Lawrence for allowing us to be on every Saturday from 9 to 11 and Sundays from 10 until noon. Thanks, Brandon. Thank you very Thank much, you. Brandon. Call Brandon, 587-0041, to reach the best personal injury at- attorney in the city of Louisville. We will be back next Sunday from 10 until noon with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. <laughs>